0: In context, this passage, we use this passage often for salvation, and it's a wonderful passage about salvation. But sometimes I think we forget the context of what's around here. Last week we looked at the Jews, we saw some things, we saw how God has chosen us, and we've talked a lot about those things. If you have any questions from last week, you can look back, or you could listen to the message or ask me about that later on. But in context, chapter number 9, 10, and 11 of Romans, Paul is m- continuing his appeal to the children of Israel. He's already shown that they've had so many opportunities and that they have been given so much from God. The scriptures come from them, right? They're of this, but what you've got to understand is you might be God's chosen people, and Israel is God's chosen people. Don't make a mistake about that. They are, but just because they're God's chosen people does not mean they come to God any differently than anyone else. They still must be born again. There must be a day of salvation. So Paul, in chapter number 9, goes through, and he's, just, he's burdened for his people to know Christ. And may I just encourage you, are you burdened for your neighbors to know Christ? Are you burdened for your city to know Christ? say, well, I'm burdened, then let me ask you, what are you doing about it? I have a burden, and I'm out doing something about it. I was doing it before, but I'm intentionally doing it now. You say, I have a burden, then what are you doing with that burden? So as we continue here tonight, chapter number 10, we're going to try to cover the whole chapter tonight. We're going to dive right in here. But this chapter, as we see, as Paul makes his appeal and continues his appeal he wants them to know that God is still working to bring Israel to faith in him and this chapter is all about how God brings men to himself and so in these verses we're given a crystal clear picture of God's plan of salvation and what it entails what we will see is that salvation centers on Jesus Christ just as Paul said and repeated over and over again. And one of the mi- common misunderstandings in our day and age today is that men somehow cooperates with God in bringing about salvation. People believe they must be good to be accepted by God or do certain things to please God and earn His good favor, but nothing could be further from the truth. Salvation has nothing to do with, with what you and I did is what Christ did on the cross, and then God calling us. And we talked about that last week, and if that's confusing to you, we can talk more about it later on. But you show me a dead person that does anything. They don't. They can't. They're dead. Before salvation, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. A dead man can do nothing. You say, well, the day I got saved, I felt conviction. How many of you, when you got saved and you heard the Scriptures, there was conviction in your heart? I hope everyone would say that because if there was no conviction and God not working, I would question some salvation tonight. Because what does Jesus make clear? That, that That God draws us to Him, correct? Yeah, He does. That's Scripture. And what happens is, when you get convicted, how can the dead man have conviction? A dead man can't. It's by grace through faith. They are gifts that God gives to us. So tonight, as we look at God's plan of salvation, we've said it over and over again, salvation, you did nothing to get saved. Christ did everything. God called you. God chose you. And I'm not a Calvinist when I say that either. Let's dive in tonight and see where we get. Verse number 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God and not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law, for righteousness to everyone that believeth. As we dive in tonight, we see number one, we see Jesus the Savior revealed. We see Jesus the Savior revealed. We see that Paul talks about his prayer, his burden for Israel is that they would get saved. Let me just remind you tonight, church, of a few things. We don't see Paul's burden for Israel was that they would vote Democrat or Republican. Whew, we could park on that one for a while tonight. It wasn't, what was his prayer? That they would be saved. What's your prayer for Chino tonight? What's your prayer for California? And I know California is a mess tonight. Man, our governor signed a bill that in large department stores now, they have to have gender-neutral areas for children's toys. Yeah, he signed that into, he signed that into law. So you're going to have to have displays in Target, Walmart, these stores, that are gender-neutral toys. No longer blues for boys and pink for girls. California is a mess. And there are many people who say, "I can't wait to get out of California." I can't wait to reach people in California. I'm not going anywhere unless God calls me, and if he does, I pray it's to well, Anyways, we'll leave that out of that tonight. We won't go any further down that thought, but God's called me here. This is where I'm ministering. You know what our governor needs tonight? I pray that he gets saved. Do you know what I pray? for the city of Los Angeles and Hollywood, that people get saved. My prayer for Chino is that people would get saved. My prayer for America tonight is that people might know Christ and get saved. That's the burden we need tonight. That's what we need. As we have our fall festival this next week, our prayer should be that people might get saved, that they might come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We see this as Paul's burden. We see Letter A, as we see Jesus the Savior reveal, we see letter A, the condition of Israel. Paul begins this chapter with a clear statement. He makes it known, he says, that the Jews are lost in their sin and he wants them to be saved. Chapter 9, he says something similar. He said he was willing to be separated from God so that Israel could know the one true God. That's quite a burden. That's quite something that Paul had. And Paul was willing to give his life. So the people would get saved. Think about that one. He wants them to know God and be delivered from the wrath of God that hangs over them. And would to God that we would be similar. Do you realize the condition of your neighbor tonight? Do you realize the condition of that car next to you? Maybe the person in that car? If they don't know Christ, they are headed to hell tonight. Your neighbor, if they don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, and I'm talking about Jesus Christ, there is salvation none other. We talked about that this morning. If your neighbor does not believe in Jesus Christ, they are bound to hell, and the wrath of God abides on them tonight. Your family members that don't know Jesus Christ, if they don't know Christ tonight, they are bound to hell, and God's wrath is upon them at this moment. Are you burdened? Do you care tonight? And Paul starts out by talking about the condition tonight. You know, people around you tonight might seem healthy. They might seem well. But if they don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, they could be cut off at any moment and in hell for all eternity. We see the condition of Israel. Letter B, we see the confusion of Israel. We see the confusion of Israel. The Jews in their desire to please God by their works totally miss the truth that god is pleased through faith alone hebrews 11 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to god must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him so what do, what do you need to please god faith now let's let's explain something real quick do you have faith in yourself when you you don't have faith right you're a dead man you're a dead man walking that's what we all are you know we see those movies and zombies and uh, and they're doing that's literally what this world is like this world they're dead people walking around that's why people could sign a bill like our governor did and think nothing of it because he has no sense of the things of god in him because he's dead to it does that make sense So we look at this verse, it says, Without faith it's impossible to please him. You can't produce faith in yourself because you're dead. So that faith that we have is a gift that God gives to us. Think about that one. So as we look at this and we see Israel's confusion, in verse 2 and 3 here, it says, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant, being dumb to The righteousness of God and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. You see, what was Israel's problem, their confusion? They were trying to keep the law, and in trying to keep the law, they never could do that because the Bible makes it clear that our righteousness is as filthy rags, the scripture tells us. So, as we look at these things, They failed to see that keeping the law would not get them saved. And we see there are a lot of people in that same boat tonight. They're trying to do good to please God. And you and I on our own can never please God. The only way to please God is through faith. And that faith is given to us from God. We'll see in the verses tonight. so when faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We see their confusion. There's a lot of people confused tonight. But then we see letter C, we see the conclusion of the apostle here. And what Paul is saying in verse number 4, he says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. What Paul is saying is that Jesus can do for you what the law could never do he makes those who trust in him righteous you see if you offend if you, one area of the law you're guilty of all the laws not what the scripture says so our righteousness can never add up you put your faith in jesus christ and you have his righteousness and so as we look at this He fulfilled the demands of the law, and He sets us free. He provided righteousness full and free for everyone who would trust in Him. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, For He hath made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. We think about Romans chapter 4, and we're not going to go back to those verses. There's a lot of verses there, but we see the fact that it's His righteousness. Now, this is what got to understand. Salvation and righteousness are given to all those who trust in Jesus by faith. That's where sometimes people look at us Baptists or Bible-believing Christians, and they're like, your your Christianity's too easy. It's not that it's too easy. It costs Jesus Christ his life. But me and myself, I can do nothing to earn favor with God. I can do nothing on my own to get, and so some people say, well then, live how I want. Do as I want. Live this life. Do these different things. I want you to understand something. When you're saved, you're saved to be set apart. You should Be different than this world. You should not live like this world. We are called to be different. We are called to be followers, disciples of Jesus Christ, right? We talked about that last Sunday morning. We're supposed to have a desire for, we're to deny ourselves, we're to die to sin, and we're to follow Jesus Christ. That's what a disciple does. But me deciding to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, a follower of his or not, has nothing to do with my standing in Christ. Because my standing in Christ has to do with what he did on the cross. And many people don't get that. Many people don't understand it. The church in our town. Talked to one of the pastors there. It was a while back. And they said they have a lot of convicts that come to their church. So doesn't every church have a lot of convicts? Or ones that could be very easy. But anyways, we'll leave that one alone right there. And they're like, if we preach a gospel that it's all about Christ and not about how they live, they're just going to turn back to their sin. A couple thoughts on that. First thing is, no one ever called a pastor or a church to be the Holy Spirit for everyone. You have a Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. It's not my job to make sure you do what's right. Because that would be a full-time job. Just, it's a full-time job trying to keep myself doing what's right. can not even imagine trying to keep John doing what's right. Debbie has a hard enough time with that all the time. I'm I'm glad I don't have to worry about that. That's the Holy Spirit's job. I don't have to scare someone that they're going to lose their salvation to keep them straight with God. That's not my job. My job is to preach the Word of God, and it says that it's Christ and His righteousness. And that's what we're saved by, nothing else. So my salvation doesn't, doesn't, you say, well, don't you want people to live for, yes, I want people to live for God. Yes, I want them to do what's right. But that's not my job to figure out. And you will give an account to God someday. And some people just wait for that day, and we'll talk more about that maybe on another Sunday. We see number one tonight, we see Jesus the Savior revealed. Number two, we see Jesus the Savior received. What is the procedure? What is it? receive christ look at verse 5 through verse number 10 scripture tells us here in verse 5 for moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law that the man which doeth those things shall live by them but the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven that is to bring christ down from above Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee. Even in thy mouth and in thine heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, And with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. We see letter A underneath, Jesus the Savior received, we see the procedure. What's the procedure? In these verses, Paul teaches us the true path to salvation. He shows us what won't work, and then he shows us what will work to save the soul of a man. We see number one, we see under the procedures that it is not found in keeping the law. Verse number five. Paul reminds us that the righteousness is possible through the law, but only if a person keeps all the law. So you could, you could be righteous tonight in the law if you kept the law entirely. How many of you, and if you've done this, I'm going to sit down and let you preach tonight. I don't care who you are. Is there anyone who would say, Pastor, I have never violated God's law. Never once would you raise your hand. I'm glad no one raised their hand, because we would have problems if someone raised their hand. What does the Bible tell us in James 2, verse number 10? For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. There's nothing the the law could make you righteous if you could keep it. Did you know there was one that did? his name's Jesus you and I could never keep the whole law so we see under the procedures here that it isn't found in keeping the law because we'll never keep all the law correct? number two we see it isn't found in signs 6 and 7 it says but the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven that is to bring Christ down from above or who shall descend into the deep that is to bring up Christ again from the dead Paul is quoting from the book of Deuteronomy there in verse 6 and 7. He's telling his readers that no one needs to look to heaven for signs or on earth for signs. Just as no one has to go to heaven to bring down the law, Jesus has already come from heaven. And just as no one has to search in the depths of the ocean, Jesus has come and made the way possible for us. And you've got to understand, you might look at those verses and say, those verses are confusing in verse 6 and 7. The emphasis seems to be on the thought that no personal effort is required. The seeker is not required to perform some sort of mystical um, scavenger hunt to find Jesus. He's already come, it's already laid out for you, and you have everything you need to know to get to salvation so you see it isn't found in the law it isn't found in signs number three it's found in simple surrender look at verse 8 through 10 but what saith it the word is nigh thee even in thy mouth and in thine heart that is the word of faith which we preach that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the lord jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Paul tells the readers that their entrance into salvation is as close to them as their own mouths and their own hearts. They have everything they need to get saved. Let me help you tonight. What do, does a person need to get saved? They need the scriptures that have been preached, verse number 8. They need a mouth and they need a heart. Was it the tin man that had no heart? He's out of luck. Poor guy. No, we know that as we look at this, there's three things that everyone needs. They need the word, they need a mouth, and they need a heart. Do you know what that tells me? That every person alive today could do it. They need the word. They need a mouth. And they need a heart. We'll dive a little deeper here this morning. Or this evening. This morning. No, we're almost done with today. All they need to do is very simply do it God's way. That's what it comes down to. Let's examine real quickly the two processes that are needed. Because this is the thing, eternity depends upon us coming to God His way. We see, um, I think, what's the next little point? It's a little letter A, right? We see the mouth. And what do we see about the mouth? The mouth is to confess the Lord Jesus. The word confess. The same word, you know, in John, 1 John Chapter 1, verse Number 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The word confess carries the idea of saying the same thing about. God wants a lost sinner to come to the place where they can say the same thing about Jesus Christ That the Father's already said about him. We saw this morning the Mount of Transfiguration. We saw Jesus for who he truly is. God wants the lost person to come to a place. Where they're in agreement with what the Bible says about Jesus. Now how deep you want to carry this. You can carry this as deep as you want to go. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth. The Lord Jesus. That Jesus came into this world sinless. His virgin birth matters. His sinless nature matters. His lordship matters. I'm not saying making him lord of your life. I'm saying his lordship, that he is lord of all, matters. Like you go with me and you sit down as I witness to someone and share the gospel with them. You could go through this track right here, and you could get someone to pray a prayer with you in five minutes. There's a lot more to salvation than that. Ryan, remember when I sat down with you? That was like 30 or 45 It was a long time. It was a long time. But by the time I was done, and your job's not dependent on your answer here. I want an honest answer out of you right here. Did you understand who Jesus is? And you confessed that in your prayer. That's what salvation is. And it took a long time. He needed to understand that Jesus came into this world sinless. He needed to understand that His death on the cross paid our way. That He rose again from the dead. That He ascended up to glory and that He's coming again. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must confess you must agree with God that Jesus is who he says he is am I wrong on that that's Bible that's this passage in a nutshell I know why you're laughing back there thanks a lot Michael Michael made a video mocking me and pretending to be me one time and so anytime I do this with my hands I think of him in that video of him pretending to be me preaching and uh, shame on you, Michael. But it's really good. He's really good at it. I really think, you know, we, people say pastor appreciation, which I said I can't stand this month. But anyways, I think for pa- you want to show your pastor appreciation? I want you to get up and mock me sometime and to be me and do that. I would love that. that and some, that's disrespectful. There's nothing disrespectful. I would love it. I would absolutely love it. So you want to appreciate your pastor, do that for me. I would love it. Or make a video long enough I can post online for everyone to see. Do that at least. That would, that, would make, that would make pastor appreciation for me, someone mocking some of my mannerisms. I would love it. So please do that for me. And so we see that the mouth is involved in the letter B, the heart. The ancients saw the heart as the center of all thought, the house of the will, the deepest and most sacred part of man. And what Paul is saying, that in order to be saved, a person must place his absolute trust in the finished work of Christ. He mentions his resurrection. He mentions all of it, doesn't he? He says that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. There's more to it than just believing that Jesus died for your sins. It's believing that he rose again. Do you see that right here? That's Bible. Far too, And I, I hate to even say this, but there are a lot of people that I think and I'm not saying in our church, but I say in general that call themselves Christians, that have prayed a simple little prayer and not had any clue what they're doing, that think they're on their way to heaven, and yet they're no closer to heaven because they've never followed God's way of doing it. I'm not trying to get anyone in this room tonight or you watching online to get you to doubt your salvation. But I will tell you this, if you do not believe in what G- who Jesus is, And what he did, you cannot be saved. Pure, plain, and simple. And that's why it's a desire of my heart to help teach Christians to make sure that we are good at sharing the full gospel with those that we talk to. I've seen too many in the college I went to and other places that if you can just get people to understand four quick points and get them to pray a prayer, that magically you can raise your hand in church and you had five people saved this last week, and that's baloney. There's more to it than that. But you also don't want to overcomplicate it because the gospel's simple. But the gospel is you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead. What does it say? Thou shalt be saved. It's not a maybe. It's not a possible you're saved, pure, plain, and simple. We see here, we see the procedure. It's with the mouth and with the heart from the Scriptures. Those are the three instruments. We see the promise. Next, letter B, the promises. Verse 11 says, For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Look at awesome. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Hey, the same way that a Gentile gets saved is the same way a Jew gets saved. There's no difference. God's no respecter of persons. It's the same for all. And verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're just going to run through these real quick because we're running out of time. Under the promises here we see and not everyone moved up to the first four rows, so I don't feel bad about going till seven. So, when we come to faith the right way, God's way, we're given some promises. The first one, letter A underneath, is, is, or number one is assurance. Assurance. You do it God's way, you can know for sure that you're saved. Number two, Acceptance it lets us know that God doesn't play favorites yeah the Jews might be God's chosen people but we as Gentiles can get saved just like a Jew can tonight and number three we see amnesty we see we're reminded in verse 13 whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved not your terms not your way but his way sometimes I hear people say God and I have an agreement it doesn't work that way you, you don't make terms with God there's only one way to get right with God and there are people out in this world that say how dare you say that your God's the only way to salvation I'll say it again, he is the only way, that's what this book says and if you don't believe it you can go to hell then And you say, that doesn't sound real nice saying it that way. But that's the truth, isn't it? You can can choose what you want to do. I'm going to choose Christ. We see number three and lastly, in two minutes I'm going to give this to you. We see Jesus, or letter C, get letter C, the provision. I'm going to actually park here on letter C and I'm just going to give you the blanks for the end here because uh, this is very important. Look at verse number 14. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent as is written? Beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. How is this, and the word preacher there is the same word as messenger. How is this world going to hear if we don't go that's what it says how? they won't because what does someone need to get saved they need the word of God they need a mouth and they need a heart the average lost person is not going to open up the word of God and see it that's where God uses you and I to plant seeds they've got the mouth and the heart we got the seed they need how are they going to get it if you don't tell them how is your neighbor going to find Christ if you don't point them to him in this book how is your relative going to find Christ if you don't point them to Christ through this book how is that coworker going to find Christ if you don't point them to Christ through this book that's how it works we see number we see our last point tonight, number three I'm just going to give these to you quick we see Jesus the Savior rejected and we're going to see over the next few weeks as we continue in chapter number 11 we're going to see more about the Jews but look at verse number 16 it says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah said Lord who will believe our report so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God but I say, have they not heard? yes verily their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses said, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. But Isaiah is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not for me. But to Israel he saith, all day long I have stretched forth my hand unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Letter A, we see the rejection is confusing. They had the prophets. Remember this morning we looked at the Mount Transfiguration, we saw Moses and Elijah. Israel had the law. Israel had the prophets. They had all the prophecies, they've had all of these things, and yet we see the Lord refused them because they rejected him and we see the Lord calling in Gentiles because of their rejection that's why and we see it today people can come to a Bible believing church and hear the gospel week in and week out and never come to a point where they trust Christ I do not get it I do not get how Israel had all of it and they cut off their messiah their rejection is confusing. And then letter B and lastly, their rejection is continuing. Paul finishes up by quoting Isaiah, the last verse. But to Israel he saith, All day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. The Lord loves Israel. The Lord is patient. He's long-suffering. And they continue to reject him. He still reaches out to him. Throughout Israel's history, they've been guilty of rejecting the clear path they've received by God and chosen to go their own way. If we learn anything from this passage tonight, we see that there's one way to salvation, and it's through Jesus Christ. And it's through the Word of God, confession that Jesus is who the Bible says he is, and believing in your heart all that takes place. That's salvation.